Hey everyone, this is the Everyday Leader Podcast, where we hear from inspiring individuals building and leading teams across Africa. Shion Ulafusi is a human resources professional with over 12 years of exposure, delivering value in diverse service sector verticals such as technology, aviation, and financial services. She has helped to achieve strategic business objectives through empowerment, development, and utilization of people, processes, and technology. She is a skilled in HR strategy, global talent acquisition, performance management, learning and development, employee engagement, and process improvement. A self-starter with a proven track record in starting and developing the people operations function in startups and Penn regional companies with distributed operations and multi-location teams, such as Uber, Softcom, and Branch. Her experience in the financial services sector began at Zenith Bank. She is a senior certified professional by the Society for Human Resources Management. She enjoys being an HR generalist and culture builder and also loves working in the tech space. She currently leads people operations at Branch Nigeria, where she oversees all people-related functions and helps build amazing culture at the company. Hi, Shion. Welcome to the Everyday Leader Podcast. Great to have you here today and really looking forward to learning more about your career in the people operations sector and the various different companies you've worked for. So welcome. Thank you very much, Chris. I'm very happy to, you know, be here and to be chatting with you today. Amazing. So I know that people operations encompasses so much Mm -hmm. uh, and that you've worked in that capacity for a number of different companies already based out of Lagos, Nigeria. But I'd be curious first for you to share more about uh, your leadership origin story. Uh, how did you become kind of the leader that you are today? Where did it all start? And how did you uh, decide to move in the direction of, of people in HR more broadly? In terms of my leadership journey, um, I would say I have been in several leadership positions uh, right from school days. And so it's just something that I have been used to over time, um, you know, just from secondary school to university and then um, into my professional journey also. Um, of course, I started out, you know, after school, I started out my career in banking, Zenith Bank to be precise, um, in operations. So that was just core operations and not um, people operations. Um, but my next job was in the aviation sector. And that was really when I started working with people. Um, I have always been, you know, just great at managing relationships, talking to people, um, very social. Um, and I studied economics in school, by the way. So my first degree is in economics, um, which is a social science. And you find out that many people that study economics are able to really gravitate towards a lot of, you know, different careers that may interest them. And um, HR was interesting to me. Um, so my second job, which was in aviation, like I said, um, was when I really started um, with human resources um, and facilities management. So I did human resources and facilities management. Um, and that's how I started, you know, just managing people. And it just grew on from there. Um, I've worked across different in industries. I've done aviation, started out in, in core banking, like I said, um, moved on to tech 
um, and it's been tech ever since. Uh, and I think I'm 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 going to stay in tech because you know I find it very fascinating. It's where the world is. It's where it's going. Um, it's where it is right now. Um, yeah. And so so that's the journey. So I'm a branch currently where I lead people operations in Nigeria, but. Um, my role has evolved from just managing the team in Nigeria to working on projects across all of our offices around around the world. Before we get into a branch and what you're doing there, you mentioned that you studied economics and, and that was what led you into HR and a few of the other uh, roles that you've been in so far. Can you shed more light on how your kind of economics study and background <laughs> has influenced your work in HR? Because I also studied economics at university oh. <laughs> and uh, I ended up going to kind of operations management um, in East Africa and it definitely shaped how I thought about how companies work and how the labor markets work. And I'd be curious how, how that shows up for you in your HR role. Yeah, um, you know, we like to say that economics is the king of the social sciences. Um, like I said previously, a lot of people just gravitate into different careers after studying economics. Um, for me, just having a background in how things work, um, you know, you understand the economy and when you study economics, you do a lot of different courses. I remember taking courses like, um, you know, we did accounting in school. You would do, um, I did a bit of law, of law, uh, there were statistics. Um, so it's you know it's a combination of different things. Um, and I started out in operations in the bank, and I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, I I just wanted to work with people. Um, so just having that social science background um, gave me a foundation into how a lot of different things work. Um, and if you work in people operations. You need to have an understanding because if you're recruiting, you're, if we take recruiting as an example, you're recruiting for different roles. You'll be recruiting for engineering. You're recruiting for customer service. You're recruiting for products. You're recruiting for credit. Um, those are different functions. Um, and you need to have at least a, a, a background understanding of how those functions work for you to be able to do your job effectively. And I think that's what economics helped me to do. Um, so I'm able to, even for the things that I don't necessarily understand, like perhaps hiring a lawyer or a legal person or a compliance person, that background in economics basically gave me um, that leverage to see different functions or see different departments and be able to understand them at least have a bare like a, a bare minimum understanding of those different functions and then build my work upon that so i would say that's how that's one way that economics has helped me um to you know do well in my job or to gravitate towards human resources amazing and so uh this podcast is called the everyday leader and uh, as part of leadership, working with others, overseeing others, uh, convincing others to uh, work with you is a big part of that. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a bit more uh, about a time when you started overseeing other people? What was that experience like for you? So I would say that um, the first thing would be 
just understanding people. If you ask me what my greatest strengths are, I will tell you people. And if you ask my greatest weakness, I would also tell you people um, because it can go either way. Um, and you need to have a proper understanding of how people work or how they want you to work with them before you can achieve anything. Um, so if you have XYZ, for example, um, those are three different individuals. They most likely want three different things. They most likely operate in three different ways. And if you use the same system of operation that you use in working with X, um, and use that same um, system with Y and Z, you may fail. So something you may succeed at with X, you may fail with Y and Z. Why? Because you didn't take the time to understand them. Um, in my job in people operations, I have to collaborate with all functions. Um, I use the example of recruiting, for example. There is employee engagement. The way that an engineer thinks about work is most likely different from the way that someone in customer service thinks about work. It's most likely different from the way someone in people operations thinks about work. It's most likely different from the way an entry-level person thinks about you know, work and what's important to them will be different from the way someone at the leadership level will think about it or the way someone at like, mid-management level will think about it. Um, so I would say that in collaborating with people, I have to collaborate with everybody. Um, human resources is at the foundation of everything that we do because everything we do has to do with people. Um, and that's the core of your work. Um, so in collaborating with people, the first thing I like to do is understand them. You know, I, I like to understand how you, you work. If I have to work with a new manager, for example, um, for the first time, I want to know, you know, what's important to you in achieving a particular task. What are the things that are important to you? How do you like to work? Do you, are you the kind of person who, you know, I can ping at any time? Are you the kind of person where I have to go into your calendar, find out when you are free, and I can only reach out to you at that time. Are you the kind of person who, you know, um, likes to sit and talk about everything? Um, are you the kind of person that likes to, you know, talk in on a Zoom call? Or are you someone who just basically likes to work asynchronously? Um, so all of those things are important to my job as a people operations person. Um, and so I would say the first thing that I, I, I tend to do basically is understand who I'm working with. Um, and once I understand you, then it's, it's, it's easy from then on because I would just work with you that way. Not exactly how I want to work, um, but you know, we have to find a common ground. Um, and the first thing is just understanding how, how you like to work. Um, so in terms of collaboration, I collaborate with all functions, all, all across you know, different, different responsibilities. I, I, I get to collaborate with everyone. That's the beauty of human resources. It's why I like human resources basically you get to work with everyone. Wow. And would you say that uh, human resources or people operations is significantly different at tech companies versus uh, more traditional companies? Because you mentioned you've worked at uh, the, the bank, you've worked at, it uh, looks like a travel company, mm -hmm. uh, and then you've moved on to the likes of Uber and now Branch. Would you have you noticed any major differences uh, in those types of industries when it comes to yeah. HR? Yeah, sure. Um, there is a lot of difference um, in, you know, doing people operations in tech. Um, I would say that a lot of more traditional companies are beginning to evolve, um, perhaps not at a pace that is fast enough or quick enough, um, you know, but... You find out today a lot of people want to work in tech companies. And why is that? Um, 
the culture that you see in tech companies and who are the culture builders. It basically starts with people operations. Um, so it is very different. The things that are important in, you know, more traditional companies are sometimes slightly different from the things that are important in tech companies. In tech companies, we understand, okay, there is a need to be profitable. There is the, there is a, there, you want to grow the business, but you also understand that for you to do all of those things, you need people. Um, and so if you don't treat your people right, um, then you won't be able to achieve all of those goals that you've set for yourself. Um, so it's it's um, it's very different. Um, I have seen I've seen that play out very differently um, in companies where I've worked, and that's why I said you know I, I'm sure I'm going to be in tech for a really long time because I like the way that pe- we take how important the people are um, and how a lot of the things that you do um, you do them because you care about the people that are working for you or with you. Um, a good example is you can't just assume that everybody wants to, um, let me take a benefit, um, let's say gym membership, for example. You can't assume that, oh, if I give everybody in my company gym membership, they will all be happy because you haven't done a survey or you haven't gotten feedback from them that that is what they need. Perhaps what they really need is they want flexible time off. Or perhaps what they really need is if your workforce is, say, 70% female um, and, uh, and like, 60% of the 70% female employees are married with, you know, little children. Perhaps what they want is a crash in the office. Um, perhaps what people want is free transportation. Um, but you won't, as in a lot of traditional companies, you will just assume that, oh, here is the benefit I'm giving you. At least you get this in addition to your, to your salary. But most tech companies will tailor that to suit their demographics. You know, here we have a young workforce. This is what is important to them. We have a middle-aged workforce. This is what is important to them. And, you know, that's something that I like. Um, but like I said, a lot of the traditional companies are, you know, beginning to do these things or they're becoming more open to these things. Uh, but I would say the tech companies are still miles ahead in terms of how people operations work. Work. That's really interesting. And, and within the tech industry, even though, you know, as an industry or as, as a type of business, they're, they're ahead in a lot of ways in terms of attracting and, and retaining uh, and motivating talent, what would you say mm-hmm. is, are some of the, the largest challenges that managers at some of these tech companies or leaders face in, you know, keeping up with that uh, momentum? Um. <laughs> I don't want to get into this, you know, this whole millennial, Gen Z, Gen Y <laughs> debate that you always find on the internet these days. Um, but I would say that for a lot more people these days, um, you know, back in the day, people took a lot of pride in staying loyal to the companies where they worked. You'll find someone who's been in a company, say, 20 years, 25 years, um, you'd find some people who would start their career and end their career in one company. You would hardly find that these days. Um, the attention span of you know your average employee um, is quite short. You know they just there's this immediate challenge. Um, once they fix that, they are on to the next big thing. So um, that would be something that I would say even tech companies are facing uh, because 
every you have several companies with great cultures, great great culture, great benefits, um, and everyone is just trying to outdo the other. Um, so what you will find in A, you most likely will find in B plus more. Um, you most likely will find in C plus more. Um, and so it can be difficult to retain talent. Um, so I would say retention um, is something that even tech companies are, are, are facing today. And it's not because they're not doing their best or that you know, the culture is not great or they're not, they not compensating employees fairly. It's just that a lot of employees these days they need change. Um, nobody wants to stay somewhere for too long. Um, and, and I think, and I believe that's something that we're facing in the world over, not just in a particular market or not just in a particular industry. It's, it's just perhaps the era that we have found ourselves in. And so you have now been at Branch for approaching four years now. Can you tell us a bit more about your role there and, and how that fits into the wider mission of the company? Okay, so basically at Branch, our mission is to deliver world-class financial services to the mobile generation. So, you know, when we're talking about services, it has to be, there's no mediocre service. We're talking about world-class services. And then what's the industry, what's the sector, it's financial services. And, you know, what's our target market? The mobile generation. So if you have a mobile phone, then, you know, we want to do business with you. Um, and I work in people operations. And like I've said before, you know, people operations is just at the core of the business because you need people to implement whatever strategies you have in place, whatever goals you've set out for yourself. You would need people to help to drive that in all of the, you know, different several functions. You want people in customer service to attend to your customers, to give them a great customer experience. You want people on the engineering team to build, you know, the kind of products that's appeal to the mobile generation we want people on the products team to continue to look out for you know the next big products that should be out there um, you want people on the credit team we work with uh, you know there's artificial intelligence you know so there's there's a whole lot and at the at, at the foundation of all of that is the people and you know that's where i come in to make sure that we have where we're not putting square pegs in round holes we have the right talent that fits into the right roles um, and that's beyond attracting the right talents, we're also retaining the right talent. So what are all of the things that I need to do to retain this talent? Um, you know, branding, making sure that branch continues to be one of the best places that people want to work. Um, so all of those things are the things that I do here at branch. So I attract talent. I want to retain talent. I'm also developing those talents. So in terms of performance management, um, career growth, learning and development, um, there's a whole lot that goes into that. And, you know, that's where I fit into the picture at Branch. Amazing. And so you oversee that work for the Nigeria office? Um, yeah. So I started out, you know, just overseeing that for the Nigerian office. Uh, but now... Um, my work has also transcended beyond just Nigeria. Um, I work across all of our, I, I work on a number of, you know, global initiatives um, for all of our markets. We're in San Francisco, we're in India, we're in Kenya, we're also in Nigeria. Um, and so I get to work, you know, in across three different continents with amazing people, about 200 people. Um, um, so yeah, my work, is beyond Nigeria now. It's basically global. So my role is more global. So I'd, I'd uh, like to unpack that a bit more because I mm -hmm. went through a similar 
transition where I, I was kind of working on a country team and then ended up being in a regional role. And there is kind of a mindset shift when you work on global projects or initiatives for a certain function versus uh, looking at it from a country perspective. So in that shift that you've made, you mentioned, I think branches is headquartered in, in the U S in San Francisco, Mm -hmm. but you guys have offices in Nigeria, Kenya, uh, and India. What are the, the challenges associated with uh, working at a, at a regional level and, and working, you know, across, you know, HR and people can sometimes be a tricky uh, uh, enterprise uh, yes. to oversee across so many different landscapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what are some of the, the benefits or the positives that you get um, collaborating across so many different uh, offices? Okay, so I'll start with the positives. Um, it basically, the, um, the, the possibilities are endless. Um, so I have done recruiting, for example, you know, in, in Kenya, in India, in SF, in Nigeria. And it's just interesting to see how different people, you know, talents can be across those different regions. The things that are important to them are different. So... Your selling points in Nigeria is most likely going to be difficult. Um, sorry, different from your selling points in 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 the US, and will likely be different from your selling points in India. Um, so of course there is there is the culture. Um, and working at Uber kind of prepared me for this because, of course, Uber was also a global company, and you know I got to work with people in sub-Saharan Africa um, at that time, and you know that that kind of prepared me for my role at Branch. Um, being able to work with people across different cultures, different countries, um, that's, that's, that has been a huge, huge learning for me. Um, and I've been able to, you know, just integrate with folks across those cultures and learn about how they like to do things. So I know what's important in, in this, in this, um, in these different countries, um, versus what would, you know, be important to someone who I'm trying to recruit in Nigeria, for example. So I'll, I'll just say that, you know, it's been, it's been, um, a huge learning opportunity just walking across these different countries in terms of the challenges. It's, it's also, it's almost the same thing. Like the culture, there is the time zone challenge. Um, luckily <laughs> I, so I don't even know if I should say luckily, but you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a morning person. Um, and so that works very well for me working in, you know, the U S time zone. Cause when it's afternoon here, it's morning over there. I'm able to do a lot of my work at nighttime here in Nigeria. Um, and then, you know, I also, in the earlier hours of the day, I can work with folks who are in India and folks who are in um, in Kenya. So I, that has worked really well for me. But for someone who is maybe an early bed and, you know, likes to go to bed early also, um, that may be challenging for them. So time zones can also, it can be a great challenge um, when you work across different, um, different countries. Um, what else would I say has been challenging? I'm just working with people from diverse backgrounds. So for example, most of the folks in our US office are more experienced hands um, than, you know, all of the other countries where you would have a lot of people at entry level and, um, you know, just starting out their careers. And the challenges that you face as someone who's just starting out your career is most likely different from the challenges that you have as, um, 
you know, an experienced manager or someone who's, who's been working for several years. So those are some, those are a few of the challenges that I've, you know, I faced um, working across different countries. Earlier, you mentioned that uh, one of your kind of learnings early on as, as a manager and as a leader in, in within HR is that each person is different and you have to adjust your kind mm. of collaboration and, and engage the style with them. Um, yeah. Are there other ways in which you would say that your um, workplace personality or leadership style has evolved now that you've been working across so many different countries and cultures? Yeah, um, even in the way that you think. Um, so I'll give you an example. When we, you know, at the, when we started working remotely, officially, you know, um, first week in March 2020, um, as a company, we decided that, okay, um, even though, you know, work was, was flexible before then, uh, but it was still mostly in office, um, but now everyone was working remotely and it was challenging for different people for different reasons. Um, if you live in San Francisco, for example, perhaps you have a cool apartment and it's quiet and you can get a lot of stuff done. And so, you know, you really enjoy working from home. Um, but if you are in Mumbai um, or you're in Lagos or you're in Nairobi, perhaps you live with, you know, a lot of family members. It can be chaotic um, and may not even be the best, you know, setting for you to work from home. And so we, we understood all of that. Um, one thing we kept doing at that time was, you know, service to understand challenges that people were facing. Um, the first thing we did was, okay, now you have to officially work from home. The moment we knew that, you know, COVID wasn't going away in, in a month and we were going to be doing this for, for you know, a longer period, uh, we gave a stipend for folks to set up a home office. So that was meeting a need that practically everyone had. Um, if you're a manager or perhaps like you're the CEO, maybe you already have a home office or something. But if you're an entry-level person, you most likely don't have a home office set up. Um, and so we give stipends to all of our employees, you know, no matter the country, no matter the level. It was the same thing. And, you know, I'll come back to what I was saying around. Um, so the, in my company, for example, a lot of our policies are very global. Um, so we try to make things as global as possible. And you can have like local nuances in some instances, um, but for a lot of things, you know, they're global and, and they, we, we do not discriminate. So the same amount of stipend that you get as the CEO to set up your home office is the same amount that an entry-level person will get to set up their home office. Um, and so we did that. Um, and where the difference lay was in, if you're in Lagos, you have to then contend with epileptic power supply. If you're in San Francisco, you know, your power never goes out unless you don't pay your bills. But then your power, you know, never goes out. But if you're in Nigeria, you have to contend with that. And so we had to address that for folks in Nigeria or in Nairobi or in India where, you know, you have to be able to pay more to get good internet access in your house. Um, that wasn't some. That wasn't a need for folks in San Francisco, but it was a need for folks in Lagos, or for folks in Mumbai, or for folks in Nairobi. So that's where you know, walking across different. So the way you think is even different because ordinarily, perhaps you just be like, oh, set up a home office for everybody, and that's it. Forgetting that different countries still have different challenges, and so we were able to do you know extra 
um, to help people by fueling their generators in Lagos, for example, monthly, or if you had to pay for internet in Nairobi or in India. And that was that extra that was given to folks in those countries as against, you know, folks who are in San Francisco. Um, and that's how, you know, your thinking basically evolves when you work with, you know, people across different geographies. Um, another example is something like, um, um, I would say, things like our health, so like health benefits. So maybe health benefits, um, you know, I don't, for some people, you don't necessarily have to hound them before they go on leave. Uh, but for some people, <laughs> you really have to because they feel like, oh, uh, you know, I'm working from home. I heard that a lot, you know, in, during the COVID, um, sorry, in the height of COVID. I'm, I'm working from home. Why do I need to go on leave? Um, forgetting that, you know, you need to just, you actually need to take time off, unplug from work and, you know, get re-energized. So we have to come and mandate people. So we started doing something called Dolphin Days, um, which was one day of every month, um, a, a mandatory, like you have to shut down. You're not working. Um, we're mandating you to take time off work and, you know, just relax, do whatever. People post pictures on Slack. So some people will post pictures when they go hiking on the day. Some people post pictures when they went to the spa. Some people are just taking a walk. Some people are just sitting down and watching maybe Big Bang Theory that day. Whatever it is you're doing, you, know, you post pictures. That's the company's way of saying even if you don't know that you need to take time to, you know, you need to take time off. Um, we understand that you need to do that. And then we help to arrange all of that. So those are just, you know, a few examples of how working, um, you know, globally helps to just change the way that you think. Um, because how you think, if it's local, there are some things that you, you know, you're not open to, um, but but working globally has really helped me to 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 think more big picture than you know thinking about just my environment or where I found myself. Amazing. And so just as we as we near wrapping up, I'm curious how you are going about building your career. So you've uh, built up this kind of expertise in in HR and in people operations, and now are in an increasingly global role. How do you approach growing your career? I would say that in my career, I've, um, I've been a generalist. I started out as a generalist. I enjoy being a generalist. Um, I've been approached you know, a couple of times saying, oh, do you want to focus on this? Uh, do you want to focus on, do you want to be like a, you know, core recruiter or do you want to focus on compound Ben or do you want to focus on employee engagement? Um, you know, and I've been I've been I've been very sure from day one that you know I enjoy being a generalist. I like the feel of being a jack of all trades and master of all. <laughs> uh, many of these things I can I can do in my sleep. Um, but what that helps me do is even in leading my team, um, you know, there's this confidence. There's just this extra confidence that it gives you. That even when you tell someone to do something, you're telling you know it's something that you can do yourself. Um, and so when I lead my team that you know she can do this if i if i have issues you know i can come to her she can help out with that um i've been super lucky in my career to have amazing 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 managers and so i try to be a good manager myself because i've been super lucky i've had 
oh my god super amazing managers funny enough most of them have been female um, and so when sometimes when people say oh female managers can be difficult i i don't understand it because i have never had a difficult female manager you know um, my managers at um, uber super amazing you know um my managers at branch like i i i owe a lot to them because they allow me to be myself uh they give me opportunities opportunities come my way because you know they would give me that opportunity when it comes and i'm able to step in and show what i can do um if you if you know a thousand and one things and there's no opportunity for you to showcase what you can do then nobody knows that you're able to do those things um so i guess i've been super lucky um but you know beyond luck i've also cultivated those relationships um being able to cultivate relationships is very important so in all of my jobs i've i've known the importance of cultivating you know workplace relationships and those relationships relationships most times have transcended beyond just the workplace um i know that no one else is responsible for my career you know my career is totally entirely in my hands um to do as i want with it so if i if i know that i want to succeed i have to take myself seriously and then everything that i need to do um to succeed i would do so if that involves learning um if that involves you know attending webinars taking certifications um you know reaching out to those who know more than me and learning from them putting myself in situations where you know i may not know so much but then there's an opportunity to learn i would do all of that and i think that has worked for me so far um there's nobody i can learn from um and i believe that you know with continuous learning you you can only get better um so those are some of the things that i have done um just to take charge of my career um like i said you know i want to continue to work as a generalist um perhaps that will change in 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 a few years but right now <laughs> that's my focus um and some of the th- some of the ways that i've been able to do that um you know it's cultivating the right relationships um making sure that for every opportunity that i get i put my best foot forward there's nothing you will give to me that i will not put in my best like all of my managers know that about me i won't sleep until i get it done um and nothing you know nothing basically will come in my way so just making sure i have coaches who you know i can go to um i can talk to um having the right managers has been super helpful um and you know i'm trying to pay that forward by you know also being a good manager to folks that i manage um and just basically being in control of my career knowing what i want to do um knowing how i want to do them and just and just going for it you mentioned that um, you were lucky that you had some really great managers you've reported to and you've tried to pay that forward are there some examples yeah. of strategies or specific tactics uh, or things that you really enjoyed about uh your managers that you've tried to replicate specifically with your own team members yeah um so like i said i've had managers who gave me opportunities um and that's something that you know i also try to do um like i said i'm i'm like i know how to do a lot of things and your default setting would be if something comes up to do it yourself um and i used to be like that cuz I I just wanted to I I I would if I do it myself I can get it done in if for example I have a task um that I can do myself and I can get it done in 5 minutes um and if I give that to someone I'm managing it would take them say 
48 hours to do it. I would just by default do it myself. Um, but I have changed now. <laughs> so if, you know, that task needs to be done in one week, then I can afford to, uh, you know, give it to you to do in 48 hours. Um, and so that's one way, just giving um, people that I manage opportunities. Uh, that's one thing that I have done. Um, also knowing how, just understanding that everyone doesn't work the way that I work. Um, is also something that I have, you know, realized over time. Um, the way I want something done, if, say, 2 plus 2 is 4, you know, 3 plus 1 can also be 4. 0 plus 4 can also be 4. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be 2 plus 2. Um, and that's another thing that I've realized in my journey. I used to be very 2 plus 2 is 4. You know, this is how I would like it to be done. Um, but over time, that has also changed. Um, and now I can allow 1 plus 3 before, 0 plus 4 before as long as we get to the right answer of four um, and there are no errors in between. Um, also just learning, um, realizing that I didn't get to where I got to in one day um, and, you know, just allowing other people to also go through that process. Um, during the process, there will be errors. Um, there will be times where you have to micromanage. Um, you know, I, I hear a lot of people say this day, sometimes when I interview people and, you know, I ask them for everyone I interview, I always ask them how they want to be managed. And, you know, the first thing most people say is, I don't want to be micromanaged. I don't want to be micromanaged. And then when you probe further and say, oh, do you think there are instances where people need to be micromanaged? They will then say, actually, you know, if you're, you're not doing well, if you're underperforming, you may have. So just knowing what stage people, my, my direct reports are in and working with them according to that stage. So if you're at a stage where you need to be micromanaged, I will help you, you know, by micromanaging you until you get to a stage where you can stand on your own two feet and do things your own way. Um, so just understanding what stage everyone is at. Um, if I have employees A, B, C, um, three of them may be at different stages. I need to recruit. Perhaps A is someone I can say, oh, I need to recruit a customer service associate. Um, we need someone to resume in one month and I know it will get done. B might be the question I will say, um, I need to recruit a customer service associate. These are the um, recruiters we have worked with in the past. Here is the phone number. Here is their email. Reach out to them, do this, do that. And then I know that person will get it done. Uh, so as we wrap, uh, I'm curious if you uh, have other kind of trends that you've noticed in the uh, HR or future of work um, uh, sector that uh, you'd like to uh, share with with our audience about uh, what you what you're seeing. I know you already mentioned some of the uh, trends and challenges related to uh, attracting and, and retaining talent in the tech sector uh, and how your mm -hmm. your teams have adapted to the transition to remote work. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to share? Um, I would just say that, you know, um, for most people, um, every day <laughs> you're on LinkedIn, um, you read different stories, either stories of people who are looking for the right talents or talents who are looking for the right jobs. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's just something that is continuous. It, it never ends. Um, and so I would say for folks who are looking for the right jobs, uh, make sure that you're also the right fit for the job. Um, what are you doing while you're waiting for the right job to land in your laps? Um, are you upskilling? Are you 
making sure that you know all of the things that employers are looking for are the kind of things that you you know you know or that you are able to do um and you know for employers who are looking for the right talents um are you the right employer yourself so as much as we assess candidates these days candidates are assessing us you have candidates who get job offers and they turn them down um you know just because of one thing or the other um so it has to be the right fit, you know, right employer meets the right candidates. Um, and everybody needs to continue to do their best um, in making sure that you, we, you know, you're you are, you are the, right, the right fit for the job or you're the right employer that um, candidates are looking for. And how do you do that? You know, make sure that everything that is important to people are the things that you focus on um, beyond your goals as an organization. Um, the people that will help you achieve those goals are not bots. You know, they are actual humans. Um, and so you want to think about all of that. We have we have moved beyond the point where um, employers were king. Now, employers are king and employees are king also. Um, if you don't treat me right, you know, I move on to the next, to the next job. I have been super lucky that, you know, I work in a company where I enjoy, thoroughly enjoy what I'm doing. Um, I have I have an amazing employer. I have the best managers ever. I work in a matrix organization and, you know, I report to both my chief people officer and my managing director in Nigeria. And they're both super amazing people, um, people that I work with. They're super talented. They're helpful. Um, and so I'm in the right place and I'm happy. Um, and that's what people are looking for these days. They want to be happy doing what they do. Nobody wants to come to, to work feeling sad or leave work. Um, not wanting to get up the next day. Um, and so we all have to, you know, continue to do what's best for the business and for the people. Um, and that would be my charge to, you know, whoever is listening today. Great. Uh, if you don't mind, I'd love to ask one last question. You That's mentioned fine. that you report to both the chief growth officer, sorry, the chief people officer and the uh, Nigerian managing director. How yeah. do you balance uh, that? What are some... Uh, learnings that you've had in that type of matrix um, work chart? Yeah, so um, the first thing, again, that I would say will be communication. Um, I, I, um, whatever I'm doing, visibility is super important. Um, so if I have, I have one-on-ones with both of them, um, but because a lot of my work, you know, is, my core is people, people operations. Um, and so I probably, ha- you know, speak more with my chief people officer than my managing director. Um, but whatever it is I'm doing, my, my managing director is also, also has visibility into it. Um, because you don't want a case where, you know, you're doing something and, you know, it clashes with, some, with what, you know, your, your other manager is thinking about. Um, so communication is super important. Documentation is also important. I have my one-on-one docs. Um, everything that we talk about during our one-on-ones, uh, you know, I put them in there. Um, if they have things to talk about, they put it in the document. And so at every point in time, you can look into that into that. Um, Google Doc or, you know, whatever tool that you're using at that time. And you can see what it is that this, your direct bot is working on. Um, so things that have helped me, communication. Um, I'm always like for both of them, you know, I talk to them all the time. I'm either talking in Slack 
or you know, I don't whistle out one-on-ones before I talk to them. Um, and so both of them are fully aware of things that I'm doing. Um, they have visibility into my work. Um, and then they also meet to talk about me. So it's not like one person making the decision all the time. Both of them will also meet to talk about my work or areas where they need me to improve, um, things that they need me to work on. Um, so there's a lot of collaboration there. So I would say communication, documentation, collaboration, you know, synergy, there needs to be synergy. Um, those are things that have helped me in working um, while working in a matrix organization. Um, and it's been, it's, it's been, it's been a breeze for me. Really. Um, yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much, Yon, for sharing your story about uh, your career so far and sharing a lot of the tips that you've uh, picked up along the way working uh, for the likes of Uber and now Branch. Um, so wishing you the best as you continue on on your journey and uh, looking forward to staying in touch. Thank you very much, Chris. This has been a very interesting conversation. Mm-hmm.